Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey everybody, welcome to the Real Estate Rundown. This is our second season, and one of the great things that I have the opportunity to do on this podcast each and every time is to interview people that I see in the world that are doing things just a little bit differently, but really, really loving their life. And I've actually met this person in person in Idaho. So guys, I I want you to give a warm welcome. If we could hear you, we could know that you are welcoming my friend, Melanie McDaniels. Melanie, how are you? I am great. And we almost met in Mexico. We just make it happen. But we did. We did. But we've met in Boise twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the great thing about that is you are totally nomadic at the at this point in your life. You have made a uh, you, you've made some choices. You've made some decisions that have allowed that to happen. Tell us a little bit about what your background was why you've been all over you. I mean, I get to play Where's Waldo with you every time I talk with you about where you at now, where you at now, where you at now, right? And now what you're, what you're looking forward to. You'll always know at least if kind of where I am by my hair. If my hair is straight, <laughs> I'm in a dry climate. If my hair is curly or messy, I'm probably that's in a right. humid place. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you are in Arizona now, right? Very dry. Yeah. Short stop, but yeah. Yep. Um, so my background, I was raised, you know, to go to school, get a job, that whole rich dad, poor dad thing. I read the book, changed my life, of course. So, um, but I've also had this traveling spirit, this curiosity to be in the world. And it's probably something to do with my sixth grade teacher who taught class from her personal slides about the Etruscans, about the Romans, about the Egyptians, whatever. And then in junior high, we had foreign exchange students in the home. Maybe that's part of it. My parents were really right. great about traveling. We had a little trailer. We had boats. We had, my grandparents were in different states. So as a young person, I got to branch outside of my community, out of my state and stuff. So maybe that's all led up to who I am today, or maybe I was just born to be this curious traveler. I don't know. But I was, I first joined the the military because I was, I was 17, didn't know I wanted to be when I grew up. And I, I knew I needed to mature. I wanted to get some life experience. And by the way, the Navy, I was insured to travel the world if I joined the Navy. So I chose the Navy right. over all the other services, which was beautiful. My first duty station was in Italy. Um, so check in the box there, there. There you go. And then when I was getting out of the Navy, I'm like, well, what do I want to do? What do I like? I didn't, I still didn't know. So I studied travel administration. I have a bachelor's degree in travel. Okay. There you go. <laughs> there indications you go. of who I am, right? Right. And, um, yeah, I just, I wanted to travel and move around. I, I joined the Navy and that moved me twice. And then I've just been nomadic since going to college, moving to Hawaii three different times. And I just have this wanderlust, I guess. I don't really know. Yeah. But at some point I, I thought uh, I needed to settle down and get a job. So I got a federal job. I was a park ranger for nine years and I was miserable but but didn't know it because it was just good enough you know those golden handcuffs they talk about right right just over broke yep, yeah all the analogies that we hear so unfulfilled yeah 
yeah. um, in two ways, the, the work itself. And then of course, not being able to travel about. So when I left that, or when I got the mindset that I could do this different life, I was very intentional, intentional about how I designed it. I knew if I worked from a computer, all I would need in life is Wi-Fi, And so yeah. that is what I set out to create. But there were some other steps along the way. I mean, uh, look, I, I've, uh, I think we met two years ago, roughly. We met. It was in 2020 during COVID times. That's true. That's true. It, it, you know, you lose a year when COVID mush hits, right? So we met then, and you have been on the go since with no fixed base for a job, fixed base of operations. How have you, how did you set up to support that so that you could go be nomadic? nomadic? <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I just knew if I worked from a computer, that, then I could do it. I, I, at the moment, I'm just starting now in my new venture. I have some partners, um, and they're in Atlanta and Salt Lake, and I'm everywhere. So still not sticking on operations. Yeah, it's very challenging because you have to tell the IRS where you are. So if you ever get sued, that people can find you, right? So you have to have a like a, a lawyer who will receive your mail, right? So you need to have some sort of mailbox, right? And I use right. my sister's, which isn't, you know, you rely on people for that. So there are 15 bucks a month. You can have stuff sent to a place that will scan your mail and, and send you. And then you either pick to shred it or send it to me or I'll right. pick it up or whatever. Anyway, so it was just a journey of figuring out how to support the nomadic lifestyle. But I'm not a I'm not a pioneer in this. I just did what other people were doing. There's a huge community of nomads worldwide, and they've kind of figured all of this out. So I really just had to study that. So I knew how to find an address, uh, what a co-working space is. When you look right. for internet, what questions to ask? Do I need download, upload, speed? Like all that stuff matters when you're building a business because right. you don't want to be on an investor phone call and it be a bad connection because you're in Thailand. Right. And by the way, if you're in Thailand trying to do business, you better be prepared to, to work through the night. <laughs> yeah. No, and I did that. I did that in 2019. I took 10 days and I went to Thailand and, and that was the thing, right? So I'm, you know, getting up at three o'clock in the morning to be on somewhat of a common time zone. But, you know, how has that been over the last, I mean, you've been nomadic for the last 30 Two months? Two December years. December 2019, yeah. Okay. So for the last 20, 22 months, 23 months, you've been doing whatever, whenever. Honestly, how awesome is that? <laughs> it's awesome in its own way, but it's a pain in the butt in other ways. I mean, you, I, so just to, to tell you, I've decided to get sticky in Austin for 2022 to support a breakthrough year because the nomad life is disruptive. If you have to move every month, you have to find a new accommodation. You have to move in or make the move, move in, find your new routine, find, you know, get to know the space. I lose three or four days of productivity between destinations. And I was on a, like a one month and it increased to about a three month, de depending on where I was in the world and what I was doing, uh, you know, get sticky for a month, get sticky for up to three months max. And yeah, it's disruptive. So it's okay as long as you schedule it in and you know that you're going to have those hiccups and you schedule it and you know that yeah. what to expect, it's great. Uh, yeah. But it is an extra, like people who have a home probably don't have to figure out where they're going to live every month. Right. So that's time, effort, energy. It's, it has its own stress, but it's, it's stress. I choose. There's other stresses. Yeah. You have to mow a lawn. You have to feed dogs. 
and right. water babies or and feed plants. <laughs> yep. No, and I, and, I, and I agree with that, right? And and I have, to, to some degree, I mean, I live a nomadic lifestyle as well, right? My businesses are in Boise, Idaho, and my residents, uh, I spend 183 days or greater in Puerto Rico, but I travel with a suitcase or a briefcase, right? I mean, I just need eight hours worth of things to occupy me while I get there. Uh, get from one place to the other. I open up one door, all of my stuff's there. I open up another door, all of my stuff's there. So I'm not really nomadic in the sense that I'm going to a different place. I'm just residing in two different places. It's like I have a split personality, right? One that loves the beach and then one that one that loves Idaho in the summertime and, and you know, fears the cold anymore. I feel like an old man. But, but you know, there's there's some benefits to that. But but when you've made all of those adjustments, where is it that you're focusing now, and what business are you are you looking to expand into that that is is working that that with that nomadic lifestyle? Yeah. So, uh, what allowed me to go nomadic? So I'm in real estate. I buy large commercial properties. So on the GP, the general partnership in the purchase of a large acquisition, there are lots of jobs. There's the acquisitions guy, there's KPs that back loans, there's people who underwrite, there's people that the asset manage. There's all these jobs. Well, one of the jobs on there is to find investors, get investor capital, right? And to speak to people and pull in investors, you don't have to be anywhere. You just need to be able to have a phone call or a, a Zoom call is my preference. So I First of all, I love that piece of it. I don't like acquisitions. I don't want to talk to brokers. I don't want to figure out the financing. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I don't even want to tour the properties. I get no joy out of touring glassy, crappy apartment complexes where I'm tiptoeing around people's underwear to like um, look at the place. <laughs> no, I, not even exciting, but I right, love what right. real estate does for wealth and for everything. So I love to talk to investors. So I just decided to focus on that skill set. Mm -hmm. And it also is one that I can do nomadically or virtually or right. whatever. Right. So it just worked. You know, and that's that's where I found myself too. I mean, in 2018, I was I was working on Zoom a lot and nobody really, they just thought I was really avant-garde for a, uh, whoops, we got somebody else popping in here. Sorry, Brian, uh, you're in the wrong spot, Brian. Um, we cannot hear you, but I need you to exit. Yes, sir. Yeah, I just had a schedule. No, I don't have you scheduled. Anyway, we'll edit that part out. Um, anyway, so you know, you you've got. Um, I forgot what I my, my question was. <laughs> we'll have to. We were talking about the nomadic lifestyle, and I went to raise capital, and that's how I designed my life. And then you were going to say something. Yeah. Then this guy pops up. Um, so. Where was I? Yeah. So when when we were looking at how you interact with your clientele, you are able to to do this virtually. And I was doing it a lot in 2018 as well. And people didn't understand that we had this capacity with us, right? If if we would have known that, Melanie, I think we would have both invested very, very heavily in Zoom uh, in 2018. And and then a lot of these conversations that we're currently having uh, won't wouldn't have been necessary, but but it, the, the way the world works now and the way the technology is, not only can you get anywhere in the world in a matter of hours, you can also talk to anyone in the world like this. These podcasts are, are an, a supreme example of still allowing education, information to go out, people to get to know other people uh, in, a, in a scenario, in a place that feels common, that feels connected, 
even though we're about 700 miles apart right now. Yeah. I mean, even as a real estate agent, because that was my stepping stone between being a park ranger and what I do now, even as a real estate agent in 2018, I saw this, a phone call is great. Text message, not so great. Definitely emails, you're nobody. Uh, you've got to get someone's face quick. And when people were moving to the area, I targeted, lived in Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia, which is a big military base. My mm-hmm. clients were people moving to the area. So as, if I get them on a Zoom call real quick and they can see my personality, they can see my face, we can have smiles, we can share interactions. I was very much more likely to be their agent when they came and I was willing to go do virtual tours. So I was ahead of the game. So yes, Zoom, and, but I was also exposed to this nomad world and knowing the tools people were using to be virtual. Right. So I kind of got started on that in 2018. And that's, I think, why my business was so great as an agent. But yeah, it was easy for me to just move right into that in 2020 when everything shut down. Very easy. You know, and one of the things, too, that, that, you've, that you've seen in your travels, both, you know, internationally and, and across the United States in, in your nomadic period, uh, we're, we're going to th- think of this like art culture, right? We've got the nomadic period. We've got the sticky period, right? Yeah. Uh, we've got – but when you're looking at that and people are talking about financial freedom – you know, that could mean a lot of different things in different areas of the country, in different countries in the world. What, is that, what does that look like in other places that aren't here in the U.S.? Well, I will tell you, it's called geohacking, right? The American dollar. If you can make money in the American dollar and go live in a third world or at least a cheaper country, Thailand, Mexico, your dollar, your American dollar goes a lot further in those countries. Yeah. So I call it geohacking. So, so now you're... you're, you're you, are you paying taxes here in the U.S.? Or are you paying taxes in yeah. Mexico? How are you? How are you doing the tax thing? No, I'm I'm the typical base. Like at the moment, my LLC is in Arizona, so that's where I'm paying okay. taxes. I am moving to Texas officially, so that's where I'll pay taxes. So I have not mastered or tapped into the game of uh, doing the Puerto Rico thing or trying to uh, not. You know, there there are definitely higher plays for that for sure. But I'm also not making the sort of income where I need to like go to that extreme yet. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is too, though, you know, you're able to be a lot more flexible with, you know, there, there's always rules, right? And there's always this balance. And I think, you know, I, I think that I, I see a lot of, uh, I have a lot of admiration for you because you found the balance that's working for you at the time that you want it to work for you, right? And the biggest thing about this whole thing is, is you're the one that's picking the balance. You know, there's nobody saying you have to be at this location at this time. It's you saying, I'm going to be at that location at that time, Right. So when you're doing your business, you you said you've got partners in Atlanta, you've got partners in Salt Lake, you're doing uh, large-scale real estate, you're doing syndications, you're, you're doing the, the investor management role of that. How are you uh, looking to maximize that going into this next period of your life where you're able to uh, be part of all of that with everything that you've learned over the last couple of years? Man, so it is a journey, and, and it's funny, just when you think you're learning something, you never know it all for sure. You just expand and expand and expand and expand. So now I've launched a fund. I have a fund, and that is the next thing. So one of my partners is my underwriter, and he's like the, the technical brains behind everything. I'm still the relationship person, finding deals, finding um, investors, and we marry it all together in a nice little fund investment, and it's that's the next step. So it's... Um, yeah, I, and I can go into the structure. It's not like a blind fund or anything if, if you want to talk about that. But that was the expansion. It was from, okay, I want to do my own deals to, okay, I'm going to raise capital for other people in co-GP. And now it's like, 
no, I'm going to start a fund because <laughs> I don't want I don't want to limit. I don't want a sky. I want. So I let's want let's talk. Let's do talk about that. So I mean, so you've got your syndication that is your typically your single asset deal where we you know we're buying either a class a or a class c and we're turning into a b we're, we're building something so that's a typical syndication what what's a blind fund versus your fund and 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 why did you pick what you picked so a blind fund is kind of after you've created a you have a track record and you can buy and sell assets and you've you know uh, people know that you're good at what you do, then they may say, you know what, I trust you enough to say, here's my money within these parameters, go buy and sell assets on my behalf and pay me, right? That's kind of a blind fund where okay. I, I think you probably have a fund or you have a model that could absolutely be a blind fund because you do the same thing all the time and you have a track record. So if instead of raising capital for every single deal, you can just be like, send me your money now, I'm going to go buy and sell. And you have the flexibility to do that. So that's blind. Um, what I do is uh, called a customizable fund. So my fund is the investment. People invest in the fund. Don't send me your money till I have a deal. But once you see a deal you like, you fund your account. It sits in cash until you allocate it to that specific deal. So I can have value add multifamily. I can have triple net. I can have assisted living. I can have development. I can have everything. And the investor gets to look at each individual deal and decide if they want to participate and allocate funds to that deal. So it's kind of like Robin Hood for stocks. It's Robin Hood for syndication. They can take smaller shares of five different deals rather than putting 50K in one deal, they can put 10K in five deals potentially. And then at the end of the year, because the fund is what they're investing in, you get one K one, but you're diversified across asset classes, operators, and geographies. You can diversify in your own portfolio and you are the one you put your portfolio together, right? So, so is this kind of uh, like, like you know, when when I when I hire a, a an asset manager, you know, and and, and they say, okay, we're going to put you know ten percent in high risk, we're going to put you know ten percent in cash flowing. So, so what I hear you saying is that if I'm a, if I'm a typical investor, is this a five hundred six B or a five hundred six C? Five hundred six C. Okay, so we're five hundred six C. So we're accredited investors only. And I'm going to show up with the $50,000 minimum into the fund. Mm -hmm. And you've got, once I get in the door, I pay my $50,000 quote unquote cover charge to join the club. Then I can see the four assets or the eight assets that you have. And I say, man, I really like that, uh, that multifamily deal over there. I want to put 30,000 there. And then uh, I don't want to put anything in the triple net but I want to put some over here in the single family portfolio. And and just for, for example purposes, let's say that the single family portfolio makes 10%, the triple net makes 12 and the multifamily makes 20, right? We're just, and am I going to get a, I, I, I only get returns on the two that I'm invested in. So I would get, how do you guys account for that on the back side? Is that just you guys are doing the accounting and then I don't have to, you're making it simple for me? Oh yeah, so simple. So it's a software program, it's a company, it's not me, I'm not figuring it all out. There is a, a company that has created this platform and their software tracks everything. So it's tracked by the deal, by the day you came into the deal because we can close on the deal and then sell the shares. So right. if you don't come in till week two, your timing starts on week two. I mean, say right. it means 14 days of a five-year deal, not a big deal. <laughs> But um, so it's calculated per deal per day in what's called day units. So it counts per day which deal you're in, and it's it's software. And and then sure. we generate at the end of the year the data from the software, give it to the CPAs. The CPAs figure it out. They issue one K one to each investor. 
So all then, the appreciation, all the upside, everything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pass through still. Just like so, it sounds to me like you guys are taking down the asset first, and then putting it into the fund. Where most syndicators are putting the asset under contract, raising the funds, closing on the deal with OPM, and that's how they do the syndication. Right. So. Right now, it's kind of a hybrid until we build. So the fund is just launched in um, last month. So this one, we're raising half of it and pre-funding half of it. So we'll send them the guys a million dollar check, right? But fifty grand will pre-raise and fifty grand will backfill to to backfill later. So that's. But as the the fund matures, we'll have more deals at the same time and we'll pre-fund them. Ideally, we want to pre-fund them. Yes. And and with your job being in the uh, relationship game, you can have a real good idea of who's wanting what type of asset, so that you don't have a bunch of people wanting mini storage, for example, and you guys go buy a retail space, right? I mean, so you can kind of know what your people want because you know the one thing I figured out pretty early on in this game, Melanie, is nobody gives you their last fifty grand, right? They give you fifty grand, and then they want to know what else you got. Right. Yep. Once they once they're done with that, and we've we've done the whole gyrations, and we've gone through all that, and we've been through the process, and then it's like a week later they call you back and they go, uh, uh, "So what else you got?" Right. Yep. So this allows you with one vehicle, instead of making a bunch of buses, you got one vehicle that says, "Hey, I'm investing in that. I'm investing in that, Melanie. You got any more multifamily coming? We got some coming in in Q2, and we can do this and we can do that." Then everybody kind of knows what's going on. And it does make it pretty simple and trackable for you. And where you are um, being able to be diversified without having to go one asset, one raise, another asset, another raise, I can see how that might be a little bit simplified, a lot simplified, yeah. honestly. Economies um, of scale. Think of yeah. all the PPMs you have to pay for. If I have one PPM for the whole fund versus 20 PPMs, Mm-hmm. For all the deals in the fund, think of all the money that was saved that can just right. go back to the investors. Right, and so so what you have is uh, you have basically a thesis that we're going to do real estate investments, and inside of that, y'all are going to be able to make your choices. So you're not having to say this is the rules for this deal, even though the rules are exactly the same as the other deal. The last seven deals is just a different fi- picture of a different asset in a different town. Yep. Yeah, I'm really excited about it also because yeah. um, my fund can only have 99 investors. So uh, with my partner and I, you know, if we each had 50 people, 49 people, I want 49 people that don't invest one time. I want 49 people right. who I do life with. And right. between us and the fund, um, as long as I can keep good deals going to them and they keep investing, like I don't need – at some point, I, I have my sponsors I like, I have my investors, and I, I really – the efforts can like – minimize once the fund yeah. is kind of up and running. And and I found that exact same thing to be true is as your investors get to know you, they like certain deals better. They like certain asset classes better. Uh, and they definitely like certain syndicators better. And I've also seen where we've got people or I've referred people out because I don't have what they want, right? And so I have to send them over to somebody else or I get sent somebody because well, you know, Johnny's got 50 grand burning a hole in his pocket and needs to get it invested and I don't have what he needs. Whereas if you're if you are the fund and reaching out to a lot of different syndicators, uh you have you have I mean, we all hear about the syndicator that vets 100 and buys two, 
right? Well, you're now looking at 100 syndicators that have already vetted 100 and bought two. That and are then picking the cream of the crop of those. Right, right, yes. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's exciting, Melanie. So what else are you planning to do in 2022 that you haven't been doing for the last two years? Business-wise, the fund is my focus. Um, I do have a partnership with, I don't want to mention it yet because it's not public, but he's a big guru in the space that wanted to do a partnership with me to do SPVs of about $5 million per deal and help other people who want to be quote-unquote capital raisers, use that term quite lightly, but they'll be fund managers, help them raise for the first time and have a vehicle to do that with a great deal because we're able to, with $5 million, get the best of the best, right? So, so you mentioned SBD? Oh, SPV, single purpose vehicle. So it's it's an entity formed, it's a fund, a single purpose entity, single purpose vehicle. Fund of funds is also it's just whatever you okay. call it. So yep. you create one entity, raise capital, invest as an the entity invests as an LP in a syndicator's deal, and it's closed. Like that's it. One deal, one single purpose, it's done. So we'll form one SPV, do one deal, close it. So you will, that's, that's kind of like a syndication would be where it's one deal, uh, you know, but you will be partnering with this, with, a, with another GP on the deal. The fund will be an LP in the sponsor's deal. Got it. Got and it. Got it. we'll either be on the GP or negotiate some sort of um, GP shares, but also GP ownership. Because <laughs> if we're putting in five million bucks, we need to be able to step in if they start right. you know, dropping the ball in their deal. Right. So, yeah. Yep. No, I totally get that. So, uh, and then uh, I know that you've got, you're on, uh, I'm, I'm going to see you in, in uh, Los Angeles this weekend. Uh, Am I? Did you get a ticket? I, I was able to, I was able to find somebody. Michael Flight connected me with a guy that was trying to get rid of his ticket. So I was able to connect there, but I'll see you there. So what, I see you going to a lot of conferences, okay? And and for a, for a nomad, I get it, but I also see that you continue to go to a lot of conferences, even though you're now getting sticky. What are you getting from these conferences, and why are they so important to you? Oh, man, so many things. So obviously to meet people, and it could be you know, investors, sure. I might meet investors, but that's not my target. My full-time job is to find great investments for my investors. So I need to meet the people that are doing the deals. I want to know the gossip. I want to know who's doing what. I want to know who should have been sued and didn't, but they were still guilty of being a criminal. Like I want to know the dirt on people. I want to know how people operate, what kind of reputation they have, because the jockey is the most important thing when it comes to a deal. Right. People matter the most. So, but I also am looking for the best people out there, the kindest hearts, the people who run a great business. I'm seeking and learning and finding out who the best sponsors are and making relationships with them. That's why I go to conferences. I mean, of course I attend and I get economic updates. It's my favorite thing in the world. Um, learning about new models, about, you know, tokenizing real estate. Like why wouldn't I want to be ahead of that? I just, I go to learn, but mostly to just connect with people and yep. figure out who the good ones are. And then maybe if, you know, investors too, but it's not my target usually. Well, and you know, that's the thing, right? You're, you're putting yourself in proximity with greatness, right? I mean, you can, you can learn a lot. And what I heard you just say was you can learn a lot about who's doing the good stuff and who's doing the bad stuff just by watching, just by being in the room and seeing what's going on. Uh, and, and that's exactly, you know, that's one of the things that I am starting to do more and more of. Uh, you know, as, as you probably, I think I told you, the podcast was a huge step out of the box for me. I'm a very private person. I don't like being out there. So I thought, well, I can do this and nobody will know it's me. Now I'm having to go into groups of people and not stand in the back, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm 
branching out that way. But I've noticed that as I go to these, I mean, it's not that I know everything, but I, I come away with something all the time, new relationships, new insight, uh, new trends that are coming because you're combining all of these brilliant minds and you're hearing from the best of the best uh, and people that have been doing this for a while on what they see coming. And it's funny because we all tend to focus on our little sliver of the world until we walk into a room and there's 600 people from all these different slivers of the world putting this whole thing together. So uh, I, I commend you for not only going to these things, but being part of them and being, you know, on the moderator panels and all those kinds of things, because you're, you're already stepping into that give back role where you're actually becoming one of the ones that's giving information to others. You're becoming one of those that, that is now seen it, done it, and giving back. And I love that. I, I love to see you do that. So uh, what other conferences are great that if people are listening, they should be going to? So January, uh, Intelligent Investor Real Estate Conference, that one's in the LA area, and they are part of Phoebe, for Investors by Investors, which is a nonprofit, and then Hunter Thompson. So that's kind of that group. Best ever conference with Ben Lapidus, who is from Spartan Storage or whatever, and then Joe Fairless, of course. Um, that's the February conference to go to, right, in Denver. Um, I think the real estate guys have a lot of really great products. I know you've been to, to their they're one in Belize. I have not been to one of their events, but I, I want to go. But in general, I think those guys do a great job overall. And I, I've yeah. met Robert Helms and Russell Gray a number of times. I, I think they're solid. Um, I go to Michael Blanc's Dealmaker Live, which is in July in Dallas. That's I, I went through his program, so it's kind of like home for me. That's my home home base when it comes to conferences. But I'm starting to branch outside of just real estate specific conferences because I want new ideas. So last year I went to the New Orleans Investment Conference. I was exposed to gold, silver, oil. How did I miss oh. you there? We did saw each other. We ate dinner together. Shut oh up. my gosh. <laughs> I have a picture of us there. But I, met you all. I know, I just forgot to mention it because I mentioned that earlier in the show that we were both in, uh, I've only seen you in Boise, but that's, that's not true. We that's did right. see each other in New Orleans, so. Yeah. And then last year I went to this one and it's great. Un, uh, Contrarian Uncon, Cody Sanchez puts it on and mind blowing. So they do have uh, real estate, but she loves storage units and mobile home parks. She's big on cash flow, but she's also big on boring businesses, like buying laundromats, buying car washes, things where there aren't a lot of employees, but have tons of cash flow. So she's huge. Contrarian Uncon loved, that was mind blowing. And I met a ton of investors there because these People are outside of the box thinkers, but they're not only real estate thinkers, right? They're open to YouTube channels and how to get leads from Twitter and, you know, whatever these guys were into. Right. Um, what else? So those are my favorite so far. Um, I mean, you have Rod Khalif's events and you have the um, Brad Sumrock's events. I mean, there's so, so many you could go to, but... Let's see, what else did I do? I did nine conferences last year. I'm, I'm trying to remember what the heck they all were. But, you know, the, the reality is, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're seeing different styles. And, you know, I mean, Rod Khalif does it different than the real estate guys, does it different than Michael Blanc, does it different than Hunter Thompson. But these are all great leaders in the space. And, you know, Joe Fairless is probably one of the biggest in the space, right? And so to put all that together, you're really getting a well-rounded education. And it's something that, that I often see a lot of other syndicators in, but I don't see a lot of investors in, which 
if I was getting ready to invest thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, I would want to know what everybody thinks so that when I'm talking to one particular person, I can see, oh, you're influenced by this one. Oh, I can see where that's coming from. And you understand the investment model better. So this is my take on that. And this is why I do what I do is because LP investors, people just want to invest passively. They believe real estate's great. They want to get in the game, but they don't love it. They don't right. want to sit and talk about it over a glass of wine. I can talk about real estate from noon or morning to night. Like I love it. They don't love it. They like tech. They like being a doctor. They like whatever they like. So yeah. for them to go invest the money, invest the time to go to a boring conference on a topic they're they want to participate in, but they're not really into. That's true. That's, that's like, that would be horrible. That is a great so point. That's where I step in. That's where I yep. shine. That's where I find the best sponsors and underwrite the best deals. And then they just need to vet me. Of course, they need to vet their own deal always. Right, um, right. Or hire someone to do it out, you know, always third party checking, right? Trust but verify. Um, that's why I do what I do. That's why I have the fund because they get to have the cream of the crop, and then they get to decide for themselves if they even want to participate there. So I feel yeah. like that's the service I give is I go to the conferences, I meet the people, I find the deals, I vet the deals. And then I'm like, here it is on a silver effing platter. Do you right. want it or not? Right. <laughs> and you know, and, and that's, that's, a, that, those are all very valid points, you know, and, and then they're able to do a little bit of work where, you know, I even had a guy, I have one unhappy investor, uh, and, and the guy made a great return, but he didn't read the PPM. And he didn't pay attention to even that. So I, I totally understand what your uh, what your thought process is because he was being so passive that he didn't realize that this was a growth deal, an appreciation deal, not a ca passive cash flow deal. And so he was looking for his check every month and didn't realize that that was very clear in the PPM. And so I, I totally get what you're saying about them not really wanting to do a huge deep dive into all the details and all the underwriting options and how do you get this and the economic, all that stuff. So, so that, that's a very valid point. So I where would, can people go ahead? I would make one recommendation then for people like that one book, if you don't mind, it's not my book and I get no benefit to push it, but Dan um, Kruger and uh, Anthony Vicino, they did a, a really great book recently. I think they put it out even last year. It's called passive investing made simple. Mm-hmm. Their syndicators are up in Minnesota, but their book, it's, it's, you can drink from a water fountain on that versus, oh, what is the one, um, what's his name? Burke, Ryan Burke wrote the, Ryan mm -hmm. Burke that wrote the one that it's just so technical. I can't even get through it, but right. for a passive investor, I highly recommend passive investing made simple by, by those guys. And it's at least it will tell them, Hey, you should read the PPM and understand what it says. Like, I don't know. You right. should vet your sponsor. You should look at the underwriting or hire that out. You should have some market knowledge. You should know what cash flow versus IRR is. You should know the difference between development and yeah. Um, yeah. So at a minimum, read that book and then find, and then it's the people. It's all about the jockey. If you get the jockey right, everything else should be right. Yeah, no, that's true. You make a lot of valid points there. So since we don't know where you're going to be, where can we always find you? Well, I'm on all the socials. I mean, LinkedIn, people find me there. I mean, Instagram, not that, you know, it's whatever they find. If they like Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, they can find me there. They can always find me by emailing me, melanie at freestylecapitalgroup.com. Freestyle Capital Group is a website as well. They can join the investor club, get through the portal, right? Get through the funnel, eventually get to me. At the end of the day, I want people to get to me, yeah. not deal in my like social space. I just want to connect with people. And if we don't vibe, we don't vibe. 
Like right. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want them to waste their time. But if we vibe, I want people to be my people, right? Yeah. So. And you know, that's one thing that I do appreciate about you is that you are reachable, right? The people aren't getting uh, into a into a funnel that leads nowhere and then they're either left to make a decision or left, right? Where people can actually get in touch with you and they can actually talk to you about what's going on and what do you see on the horizon and and really start to do something that most people forget when the words connect, financially plan something with financial planning, right? Know what's coming and know where, where deals are going to be coming from and where you think things are going to be at and when they can deploy capital. So I would encourage everybody to reach out and connect with this young lady because she does a phenomenal job. And you guys have gotten a glimpse of that today. So I want to thank you, Melanie, for coming on the show today. I want to thank you for joining us from very dry Phoenix, Arizona. I hope the hair survives. Uh, and everybody else, we want to thank you for joining us on the Real Estate Rundown. Don't forget to like and share and subscribe to the Real Estate Rundown on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts to get your automatic updates. And you'll know when we drop another episode. Also, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to see who you'd like to have on as our next guest. We'll see you guys next time on the Real Estate Rundown. Bye. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnet.com and be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode. Amen.